and welcome to Why the World of Fan Fiction, where fan fiction is treated as the. There's the. Hello, I'm an echo. Where fan fiction is. I'm not a sound engineer, damn it. Where fan fiction is treated as the high art form. And pure restraint of. That truly is. This is going great. I'm glad I have tomorrow off so I can function like human on when I go back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> Am I human? Who knows? <laughs> and today's story is is a pretty epic one. I I read it a okay a, 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 not recently because I do read through all these and that's how sometimes things get mixed up. Yes, there, there's a lot of stuff going on in my head sometimes. <laughs> like gay porn. Um, see, I do read these. They just get mixed up sometimes. It's hard to get to all of them at once. Today's story is GWTW Multiverse Malfunction by Graphic Style 47. And it's... In Scarlet and Red fight for Bonnie and all of humanity in time and space. It is rated K, and there are six chapters. We get to two or three today, and depending on when I need to go down and get my laundry. That's right, I used to show to time my laundry. <laughs> I like clean clothes, don't you? In fact, that's today's sponsor, Laundry. It was updated in 2022, so hot damn, we're not going back in time. Much. <laughs> it was published on September 4th, 2022, so it was updated about oh, it was updated in December, though. So this, that's probably the most recent story we've had on here. You're welcome. And I and I think let's get on to the story. These chapters are pretty short, so. We'd be able to get through a few thousand words. <coughs> Today's sponsor is also sinusitis. <laughs> Worst sponsor ever! Rit staggered as he slowly made his way down the dark Atlanta street. His caravan askew, he mumbled to himself drunkenly as he righted his long, heavy frame and squinted at the uneven cobblestones under his feet. It had been two months and six days since Bonnie was torn from him. Every day there had been more and more drinking to forget. Trying to forget his love of Scarlet. Trying to forget his daughter. Trying to forget the past years and pretend none of it had ever happened. As Rhett passed a pitch, not, pitch dark alley, three large horns broke off from the shadows and started following him. He was suddenly aware through his mental haze there were footsteps behind him, rapidly gaining. As he spun to meet them, one hit him squarely in the chin. Immediately, six hands were on him, pummeling him down, holding him as they went through his pockets. One of the attackers, attackers, his bald head shining in the dark, held up Rhett's watch. It was the watch Bonnie had loved to play with. Her picture was inside. Give that back to me, Rhett snarled through bloody lips. Had he been sober and ten years younger, he may have made it out of the situation the victor. This time, though... He braced himself for a bad beating, had an involuntary thought that if he died, perhaps he'd see Bonnie again. Usually the afterlife was a foolish notion, but lately he had wanted to believe. Suddenly the street lit up with brilliant, pulsing, violet light. Si silently, although it was as bright as a lightning strike, the flash illuminated every corner and slowly faded away. 
Rhett turned his head and realized the men were no longer beating him. They were not even holding him. They were frozen, with the exception of the occasional blink. He slowly got up and realized the men were not moving, not even an inch. It was as though they had been turned to statues which could only blink and breathe. What the? He exhaled as his eyes became accustomed to the dark again. It was the figure of a lady coming toward him, short, with a round figure and large dark eyes. She laughed, tilted her head quizzically as she looked him up and down and asked, Are you Captain Rhett Butler? I, yes, ma'am. Rhett was nauseated and dizzy, falling clumsily on an orange crate as he tried to stand. Suddenly the lady was beside him, touching with a long, cold steel rod. He felt a pulse of strange energy course through his body. As swiftly as a breath, he was sober, sober and looking down in amazement at his hands. His knuckles had smashed against the brick wall of the alley as he tried to wrestle with the biggest thug. He heard a crunch and felt two fingers break as they clawed at each other. His cuffs were spattered with blood. Dark red liquid was crusting on the golden cufflinks, but his hands were now white and clean and totally healed. So were all his other wounds. He could not remember the last time he felt this vibrant and healthy. For one of the few times in his life, Rhett was completely speechless and utterly in shock. He looked over at his assailant, still as statue, thin as a lady. Her dress was very modest and conservative. Excuse me. Obviously not from any nearby Bordello or saloon. She looked to be in her thirties with a long but barely attractive face. Rubbed her nose, brown hair, and eyes. The eyes were sparkling as she looked at Rhett like a long-lost friend. Who the hell are you? Rhett finally managed. I think I have a lot of explaining to do. Please come this way and I will tell you everything. She turned and started down the alley to a rickety shack. The door was slightly ajar and Rick could see light pouring out. For a moment he paused. Was this a dream? Did he actually die, sustain a concussion, or was he at Bell's with a cool cloth on his head sweating out a fever? Then he realized he really had nothing left to lose and followed her into the shack. Chapter 2 I, I told you they were short. As Rick entered the shack... He was gobsmacked again. Outside, it was a shabby shack tacked on the back side of a run-down tavern on the rough side of town. But inside, inside the shack looked like a parlor in a well-kept house, comfortable, padded horsehair chairs, complete with anti-macassars, faced a massive mahogany desk, heavily carved with exuberant Victorian curves, swirls, and flowers. What is an anti-macassar? We're going to Google it. So, anti-macassar. That should be in a crossword somewhere. Anti-macassar is a piece of cloth put over the back of a chair to protect it from grease and dirt as or as an ornament. Huh. That's what those things... <laughs> They're the square doilies. That's what those are, huh? We learned a new anti-macassar, so. Honestly. Extra storages for <laughs> using that in your story. Anti-macassar. And flowers. There were several large bookcases with what looked like a large and expensive collection worthy of a small library. A lovely Persian rug covered golden... Oak floorboards. I, I know what floorboards are. <laughs> away from the filthy slum alley outside. I know what outside is. <gasps> Do sit down, said the mysterious lady. Don't mind if I do, replied Rhett. His mind was reeling, but strangely numb. Perhaps one's brain simply ran out of ways to react when there's been too much to deal with. He thought taking another look at his unlikely surroundings. Excuse me for not introducing myself earlier, the lady continued. My name is Lisa Treadwell. Miss Treadwell right nodded his head slightly. A pleasure, although 
Rip paused. He didn't even know where to start with his question of the bizarre turn the night had taken. He could not recall ever meeting her either. How did she know him? Lisa was an unusual name, it's Italian. Is, would it be? Maybe. It sounds Italian? Okay, <laughs> you wonder who I am, how I know you, she helpfully interjected. I'm going to have to take up 30 minutes of your time. She pulled Rhett's watch out of her small purse and handed it to him. It's almost midnight now. Give me until 12.30 to answer all of your questions, and I promise you won't regret it. Rhett looked quietly at his watch, then at the stranger who may, uh, who may have saved his life. He realized he was trembling slightly sternly, and sternly told himself to get a grip. Miss Treadwell, I already am already very happy of, to have made you, you your acquaintance, but I am curious as to just what went on back there. Either I am hallucinating or you performed a miracle or two. Miss Treadwell had an odd expression, bemused yet serious. She laughed gently, shook her head. Captain Butler, have you ever heard the notion that advanced science seems like magic to more primitive people? That was science. Rhett smiled slightly. That's certainly no science I've ever heard or seen. Also, did you just call me primitive? I mean, well, for the first time, Miss Treadwell seemed slightly flustered. Look, I'm here to help you, Captain Butler. I'm here to help you and a lot of other people. First, though, I'm going to have to tell you some strange and fantastic things which you very likely will not believe, even though I will show you evidence of my words. Please proceed, Miss Treadwell. I will stay until our time is up, although I'm not sure how much more of this strange and fantastic I can take. Well, then, said Miss Treadwell, I will proceed. I'm going to have to start with the, the, the big picture. The really big picture. Have you ever heard of Darwin's theory of evolution? Brett opened his mouth and closed it. This was a strange, random question, but he decided to roll with it and see where it led. Yes, he replied. I knew a man in my squad. He read Darwin. I was the only person he discussed it with since he and I were like-minded concerning the supernatural. The certainty, this, it, that certainly is a very controversial book. So, as I understand it, you're open to other ways of looking at the world, ways besides what you were taught as a child. What you were taught as a child. This is why I need to do vocal warm-ups, okay? I tend to form my opinions based on fact, not fantasy. That is, until tonight. Rhett gestured for her to continue. Believe me, this is fact, Captain, not fantasy. She took a deep breath. Anyway, you need to understand right off the world as you know it is an inaccurate view of a much larger world. The fact that is there will be inventions, knowledge, and science in the future which will make possible things like instant healing and freezing people in place temporarily. I am from that future. More accurately, I'm from between the future and the past. I was born a hundred years after the Civil War. One night in 1994, I was outside in my backyard. Okay, uh, I Okay, okay, uh, I was doing math. Excuse <laughs> me. Excuse me, okay. I was outside in my backyard. A man appeared next to me. I was very startled, just like you were tonight. He explained he was from the future, and I was from the people in a very special bloodline who had to make a sure certain people lived to produce children in both the past and future. Naturally, I thought I was losing my mind and didn't believe him at first, but it really became apparent he was not lying, and the world as I knew it had to be reevaluated. Re I traveled with him to the future and was given assignments to ensure the timeline was not disrupted in the past. Rhett, she took a she took a deep breath, closed her eyes, and, and continued. Bonnie was not supposed to die. She was supposed to live and be my great great grandmother. Dun, 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 and we will find out who Lisa Treadwell is. <laughs> Not the worst.
first name for a random insert character or, should we, uh, or from a franchise item. You know what? I could be wrong. Brett looked at her blankly for a moment, blinking as though in a trance. He turned and slowly looked at his surroundings and back at Miss Treadwell. I believe the time has come for me to go, he said slowly. Top hat back on head. He was at the door in three strides. Wait, cried Miss Treadwell. Please, I can prove what I say. But her words were lost in Rhett. He had had enough, more than enough. He now knew his mind had snapped. He would go home, take an early morning bath, and have a nice long sleep. Then he would think about a way to do something positive. He needed to move forward with his life. Perhaps finally get away from the torture, which was his marriage. What was that? What was that? His soon-to-be ex-wife always said, "Tomorrow was another day." It would not be easy to leave behind someone he had loved for years, but it was obviously affecting his sanity. Life had been very cool of late, but living in an asylum was something else altogether. He walked rapidly down the street toward the rising sun. Lisa sighed, arms crossed. In the doorway of the shack, she would have to be patient, but there wasn't much time. Rhett would be back, and she would need to be ready. And then there was the matter of those thugs. Who were they working for? She needed to question them one by one and wipe their memories. They could just be common alley thieves, or they could be from somewhere else. But she searched the alley to no avail. The three figures she had frozen were gone without a trace, confirming her worst fears. Scarlet impatiently brushed her dark hair. She had been up long before sunrise, and the lack of sleep was showing under her eyes. She snapped at the serpent bringing her breakfast tray, not caring up the sudden looks discreetly thrown her way. Mamie had gone home to Tara, leaving Scarlet to cope alone. Rhett was gone, as always these days. Ella and Wade also avoided her. She felt like a fly caught in molasses, but she knew better than to show it. Everyone was always waiting for her to fail, to break apart under pressure. She missed Bonnie more than she thought possible, but life went on, happy or not. Scarlet sipped coffee from a delicate cup, festooned with a tiny hand pink. Festooned? I love these words! Who, who, is this, who is this genius putting all these? Graphic style seven, you have cool words. <laughs> festooned! Why don't we use festooned more often? It's, things are festooned. <laughs> Where was festooned? Festooned, her old fashioned. Festooned, the tiny hand painted figure of a man and a woman. He was in old fashioned clothing, like leggings, and a white wig, kneeling at her feet. She was laughing and holding a rose out to him. She remembered a time when that could have been her. For a moment, she wanted to smash the cup and its contents on the floor. But she caught herself and slipped on a sky blue and silk robe as she heard Rhett slam his bedroom door. Rhett soaked in his warm bath. He didn't want to look down at his belly, but he would have to face what he saw at some point. He had asked Pork to draw his bath. It had taken some time, as usual, to warm the water and fill the tub, and that time he had not been able to stop thinking about the woman in the alley and what had happened. He was also thinking of a friend he had not seen in twenty-some years, Herbert Hinton Hill III. It was the first son of, it was the first son of a prominent Charleston family and poised to inherit a large estate. They had a rocker, raucous time gambling and carousing together as her youth led them from one adventure to another. He was even thinking of going into business with old Herbert after his father threw him out for not marrying the girl he gotten stuck with in the buggy. But in, matter of, in the matter of only a few months, Herbert changed from the handsome, jovial companion of their, of, of their revels to someone who saw and heard things was simply weren't there. The change had been gradual at first, but it rapidly became, it rapidly became too noticeable to ignore. 
They were riding home in the middle of the night, lit by a full moon. Herbert had been joking about how fat when the ladies had been at Miss Morton's bordello. She was so fat when she sat around the house, she sat around the house. He had shouted the punchline full of Tennessee whiskey and mirth. And then he had stopped, staring. Brett saw nothing in the night and rode a little ahead until he heard Herbert scream, Stop! in an uncharacteristically, un uncharacteristically high-pitched high way. Rhett looked back and saw Herbert's full face full of terror. His pistol was drawn, and before Wright could react, he shot twice with great accuracy, past Rhett's right shoulder. Stop, you damn fool, Rhett had shouted, trying to regain in his panicking, in his panic rain and his panicking mount. He rode up to Herbert, who was weeping openly. I think I got it, sobbed Herbert. I was, it was about to eat your head. Rhett had looked at him and at the moment realized something had slipped in Herbert's mind. What almost got me, Herbert, Rhett asked gently, still half hoping this was some sort of elaborate prank. The thing with three heads, whispered Herbert. Who? Was it? Is he going mad, or? <laughs> it's been following us since we left town. It follows me a lot these days. I don't know what it wants, he continued hoarsely. But it had, it had uh, yes, those red glowing eyes, and at that point, Red took the reins of Herbert's horse, and they rode to his house. After a hushed conversation with Herbert's father, who was none too happy to be woken up to his son's breakdown, Red took his leave. He only saw Herbert one more time. He visited him in an advanced asylum which featured the latest treatments, more resembling medieval torture than something designed to heal the mind and soul. It was with this in mind he looked down at his belly, his smooth, scar-free belly, free of a scar from a knife fight in the gold rush days, a scar which was impossible to remove, and yet it was gone. He would, have, he would have to go back to the alley and make himself face reality. No, he didn't want to end up like Herbert. At the sudden knock on the door, he started. She, he start, started or started? Hmm. Maybe a minor spelling error. I did catch maybe one issue with a period and comma, but so far pretty good with this one. Yes, I did use to teach English and was a proofreader. I, I am cursed to notice everything. <laughs> Let me enter it, Scarlet said impatiently. I need to talk to you. In a minute, Rut heaved out of the bath, wrapping a thick robe around his body with a with a lithe. Life, that's another great word. Movement, he could suddenly accomplish with the unaccustomed ease. Opening the door, he saw Scarlet and realized as he felt better, she was not. Her eyes were puffy, and although her usual frown was in place, there was an air of sadness he had never noticed in the legs of her face. She was only in her late twenties, but her face somehow reminded him of a woman in her sixties. Full of too much unwanted pain and knowledge, she felt a momentary stab of sympathy that reminded himself it would do no good. She never wanted that from him. She had only wanted to discuss a servant she suspected of stealing. After a little investigating, an expensive set of silverware she assumed was gone had simply been put aside for cleaning. Scarlet had been so restless since Bonnie's death, it was almost like she was making up things to be unhappy about. I thought she'd ever crack like Herbert. Rhett uh, reflected. Rhett reflected. Rhett reflected as he rode down the part of town he'd come from that morning. She was made of much sterner stuff, a quality he used to love in her, but now only made him think she simply was not capable of deeper feeling. He tied his horse in front of the fair-haired lady, a run-down saloon, and walked to the alley on the left side. He was pretty sure this was it. The fair-haired lady had a strange and distinctly ugly card wooden sign with a badly rendered woman holding a rose. It was a good landmark, even for the very drunk. <laughs> okay. Fair point. Drunk people do love and sober people.
people who don't know how to use Google Maps do love landmarks. <laughs> he went back and saw the chef from last night. Drawing a deep breath, he walked up to it, opened the door. There's nothing but a dirt floor, a scattered tools, and some burlap bags. That does it, Rhett said softly, turning away and walking slowly up the alley. He would have leave tonight and put all this insanity behind him, but somehow he wasn't surprised when he heard a voice behind him say, Rhett, wait! Oh, we have... Maybe we can get through Chapter 4 and hopefully... No one else is doing laundry <laughs> Crap. Well, he's still asleep. And if he wake, oh, uh, well, he should have woken up earlier. <laughs> Chapter 4. Leaning back in a padded chair, Rhett felt so weary all of a sudden. Whatever this woman had to show him, he was ready. Okay, Miss Treadwell continued. First of all, I want you to keep one very important thing in mind while I explain my purpose here and show you proof of my words. Rhett cocked his head to one side and raised an eyebrow. Oh, and what would that one important thing be? He drawled slowly. Miss Treadwell tensed and said in a rush, I am giving you a choice, a choice between life as it is now or a very real chance to change your daughter's accident to a non-lethal one. I can manipulate time, we can go back, slow time, and make sure what only Bonnie's arm is broken, not her neck. He stared at her, trying to process the words, a chance to bring his little girl back to life. Suddenly he realized he didn't care anymore if he was insane or not. It's better to live in a world with hope, even if he was actually in a padded cell somewhere, than it was to be in the life he had now. He was in, all the way. But why break her arm? If you are capable of such miracles, why hurt my body at all? Miss Treadwell pursed her lips. In my reality, family legend has it that your relationship with Scarlet started to mend when Bonnie got hurt. You both realized how much she meant to you and how much, underneath it all, you meant to each other. Scarlet's obsession with Ashley dies the day Melanie does. It was then she realized that she had more with you and Bonnie than she ever could with Ashley. But unfortunately, yes, were this to happen, Bonnie will have to take one for the team. I beg your pardon, Rhett laughed. It felt good to laugh, even if it was madness. Sorry, Miss Treadwell continued. That's a modern expression from my time. It means a sacrifice for your side. The time you come from, Miss Treadwell, sounds absolutely astounding. I am ready to hear more, Rhett leaned forward expectantly. Well, I am going to have to tell you about it, Captain Butler, for several reasons, not the least of which is we are going to have to take to take you to it at some point in the future. I mean, she shouted, you, yes. It was strange, but Rhett felt as if he knew the answer before she gave it. You'll have also have to bring Scarlet and Mr. and Mrs. Wilkes. I'm afraid it's imperative we do. Rhett opened his mouth to comment, but before he could get a word out, she interjected swiftly. Before I tell you more about that, though, here's one more very important thing you have to be aware of. Miss Treadwell paused and swallowed. Rhett saw her face change, and he saw, was it fear? Yes, definitely fear and anger in her eyes. Your daughter would have fallen and broken only her arm even without our help. She was deliberately turned to break her neck by the, by the people who got to her first. Miss Treadwell drew a deep breath. In other words, Rhett, your daughter was targeted and murdered. We all have to deal with her killers as well. Rhett looked at her at first stunned, then angry. He rose in one fluent motion and crossed the room, towering over Miss Treadwell. Who did it? I will kill them, he whispered hoarsely. Miss Treadwell did not flinch. She tilted her head up and looked him squarely in the eye. I know you're upset. Please have a seat and I will try to explain. Rhett sat, anger tensing every inch of his body. Listen, Rhett, she continued. The universe is always in flux. Therefore, it's normal for the forces of man and nature to push and pull. There's negative and positive. Negative always sends the stuff out positive. Positive always sends to a light. Negative. 
Researchers of the next century in the field of physics will discover several possible realities exist at one time on an atomic level. In other words, particles so tiny we could never see them without help are not in this world or the next until they are observed by a conscious living entity. Of course, you realize everything is made of atoms. This, this was a great mystery to us at first, and we only understood it a little better now. However, in the future, we know atoms are influenced uh, by not only being observed. <laughs> okay. Smart people talk. But they did not Moreover, certain observers have much power over more atoms than a regular person. With that power, they send out a they send out a vibe, a vibe which has a positive or negative effect on the reality of everyone near them. They said, "We're going to talk about that." Okay, the strongest observers are born with a bounce of personalities in their background. Their ancestors. Their ancestors seem to be bounced at crucial historical junctures. One couple skewing negative, the other skewing positive. Strongly negative forces are the ones who want to kill your daughter. They know her, ex her existence into adulthood and childbearing years will affect the future a great deal. And this world will be skewed toward the positive. I am here to, to keep the family tree intact. Rhett sat back in the chair, trying to take it in and understand. You and Mrs. Butler basically skew negative, Miss Treadwell. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Wilkes skew positive. If you are successful in bringing the Wilkes here, I can make sure Mrs. Wilkes is healthy and has three more children. One of their boys is going to marry Bonnie, positive and negative, together, as it were. Then they will have my grandmother. She will have my mother and then me, and a product of several opposite couples having children for a few hundred years, but Bonnie and Sam will be two of the most powerful. I am known as a minor nexus. I am an energy point in the universe who influences people around me with positivity. My great-grandson will be a major nexus. He'll be an heir of peace and, peace and prosperity, as well as science and creativity to the human race. But negative forces are trying to unravel in time by taking out various ancestors of the major nexus positivity. The fact that I'm here is a good sign, but we can't be overconfident. Rhett was lost in thought. He was silent for a long time. Miss Treadwell waited patiently until he spoke. He cleared his throat and pretended to understand all that. <laughs> okay. Miss Treadwell reached under the desk and produced two rectangular optics. Both had pretty much the same proportions, but one was about a foot across and a few inches less steep. The smaller rectangle was a quarter of that size. They were made of, dark, of a dark, smooth material with odd bumps on the smaller one. She opened the larger case and turned it toward Red. At first, it looked like a very shallow box, but it had no room to put anything in it, just rows of squares and rectangles facing it from the bottom. Excuse me, she, she touched a long rectangle, and suddenly the top part facing him was slit from within. It showed a photograph of a man and a woman, well-dressed and holding hands. Then the photo started to move. The crux stirred and stirred and turned. The crux? I love these words. Best words. Good job, writer. I forget what your name is, but we'll get back to it. <laughs> I just forgot the word for the fancy square doily one, but I think that someone shouldn't name their baby that, but they probably would. <laughs> the crux stirred and turned, awaking for. From this from slumber, here in the bewildering miles of catacombs underneath Paris that had made its home for centuries before that, it dwelled from the caves and shadows of this world. Crux truly could be said to live everywhere. 
But, it, but its brain chose a place where it was full of sorrow and history, a secure spot to operate from. Some would call it a demon, others would say it was simply a concentration of totally negative energy. If you saw it, you would see some, something like a giant grub larva, but then your eyes would instantly burn along with your brain. <laughs> Do not stare at giant grub larva. Crux <laughs> negative emotional energy generated by the sentient beings of this planet. Those observers who unknowingly change the fate of the world every day. It was so easy to convince them with, a gentle, mental, with gentle mental pokes and prods to do horrible things to each other for the silliest of reasons. The destructive vibes of... <laughs> vibes. That's a scientific term now. The destructive vibes of war were, were always steady nourishment. The Civil War had been a special treat, but it wasn't more. <laughs> So it invented the Ku Klux Klan because of that. Oh my. Do you think it does that in later chapters? Someone go res <laughs> I can't remember. I read this uh, like last month. I read too many words. Damn, I need to read it again. <laughs> Negative emotional energy generated by the sentient beings of this planet. Those observers were unknowingly would who unknowingly changed the fate of their world every earth and one and more. Crux had recently thought of a ma eh. master stroke of strategy, sinusitis. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Suggested by one of the few humans that communicated with directly. It had taken millions of years, but Crux helped the little monkeys to finally think. And that, wait, that's. I'm not telling you who it is, but if you think it's, if you're thinking of who that could be, you're probably right. Help little monkeys to finally think of them, think very well. If Crux didn't hate them so much, it would be proud of the humans that it helped grow. It was a simple plan that would be very effective. Instead of endlessly fighting the new, the Nexus Guardians, the Crux would simply erase them from history. The Guardians were all born with an energy balance. They could block its negative energy and open the channels of positivity. It would not die, but... And because of this, of course, just lose dominance from another time cycle. Crux will never die. It is as old as the universe and will be here until time itself is at the end. But it did hate being hungry, always wanting more. It had eliminated seven Nexus ancestors in the past 20 years. Crux could already feel the future unraveling in its favor. Its latest victim, the little girl Crux, sent slaves to kill. Her death had given it such intense waves of satisfaction and future power. But it was as much a part of the planet of the universe as the or as a flower or a child. Wherever there were observers, there will be sentient concentrations of good and evil, totally changing the frequency of life, waning and waxing as one side would reach its limits, and the other side would then slowly gain strength in an endless cycle. Unless, that is, there was an unforeseen variable like Crux's new plan. And I think we'll stop there. That was like two thirds we got through. So, huh. It's not, I don't think it's finished yet, but there's two more chapters, and this, honestly, really fancy words. Bravo for that, and really, I only saw one or two, it might have been a grammar error, but, or, one more, tech, minor technical error, so on that, but, uh, it did get, it gets a little mumbo-jumbo-y, but, it, but, I think that's bounced out by how much, uh, by how much Graphic Style 7 uh, watched and possibly read the book Gone with the Wind. So, you know what? Weird science fiction magic stuff mixed with it. 
If Pride and Prejudice and Zombies can get a movie, what this one? Really well written besides that jumbo stuff and vibes. I don't know. I'm a l I read I I read this and was confused. Reading it, I'm still confused. But <laughs> if you like science, magic, mumbo jumbo, and the, and the Civil War, I'd say definitely read GWTW Multiverse Malfunction. Let's see what else this person has written. I don't know. I can't tell. Oh, it's their only story. Shooting one story for Gone with the Wind. So I I definitely keep an eye on. Graphic style set because damn they have some real talent there. And also, if you do want to read the whole thing, the link will be in the description. And if you think you use big words, you can also submit your own fan fiction via the Facebook page, and I will probably read it. And honestly, for February, I'm looking for love stories that aren't all porn. All the love room. There's a lot of, and they're all. I think it's fun and witty to observe the inaccuracies of erotic literature film. Before that's that's too much. You can have small a petty force of porn. That's what we'll the petty, the small bites of erotic. Oh gosh, I should make merchandise. Wide world of fan fiction. Thank you for listening. And also, if you like, and if you really like what you hear, just go read some yourself and get show these all up there some love likes and tell them they're doing a good job because dang it, someone had to Google what what the hell was that thing the the fancy word for the square doilies on chairs. So yeah. <laughs>